Doc, I'm sorry, I'm disagreeing with you as well. They did address the linebacker position. They brought back Bobby Wagner, who was one of the top linebackers last year, rated in PFF, and they drafted Derek Hall, first team All-SEC out of Auburn. I mean, in the second round. So they, they were, they're addressing the linebacker position. They're putting the defense together. I know they, they're, they're young. Besides Bobby Wagner and a couple guys on that side, they yes, they gave up a lot of in scoring and, and, and yards last year. I'm sorry, they're yes, the yards and, and scoring, but I think it's gonna be better now with youth. You know, now they have experience. They have Bobby Wagner back. Man is one of the best linebackers in football still today. I, I'm getting the Legion of Boom vibes. I'm telling you right now, have fun throwing on Tyreek Tyreek Woodland and Devin Witherspoon. You might get rookie of the year right there as well with Devin Witherspoon. All about the balls podcast with Mark Davis, Chris Kamehart, Luke Rule, and Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. Hello and welcome to this NFC West and Joey Chestnut is a fucking American legend episode of All About the Balls podcast. I'm your host, Mark Davis, joined in the sack house with my three brothers, Chris Kamehart, Luke Rule, and of course, Nick the Docs, Kirk Winston, boys, coming off a great 4th of July weekend. Chris, how was it for you? It was great. Got to watch Joey Chestnut get his 16th mustard belt, Mark. I mean, a motherfucker threw back 60-something glizzies. It was great to watch. Yeah, he's definitely the glizzy gobbler of America. Luke, we watched that last year together. How was 4th of July for you this weekend? I know your brother and his girlfriend was in town this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was good. We we went out, floated the river, went down to Broadway, got some good drinks, got some good cover bands. And 4th of July, we went up to Fort Campbell, saw Leonard Skinner and some fireworks. So, I mean, it was, it was a good time. How long did it take Leonard Skinner to play Sweet Home Alabama? Oh, they second to last song. Free word, they, found, they finished it off a of free bird. Wait, Can't go on, wrong with pause that. Real quick, pause real quick. Y'all had Leonard Skinner up there? Yeah, we did. We had fucking Vanilla Ice. At Fort Hood. Nah. It may, it's fitting. <laughs> we had <laughs> fucking vanilla ice. <laughs> I should have made no, that trip yeah. to Tennessee, man. That's what I should have done. Yeah. Leonard Skinner's no, a legend. It was a good time. I'm kind of shocked you're even here to talk about it. Uh, Damn that. Being, being down at the hood, oh, I'm honestly surprised you're here. Hey, hey move, <laughs> on, move on, move on, move on. And Doc, how was your 4th of July weekend, brother? <laughs> oh, dude, great. Uh took the... Took the kiddo out to see the fireworks. Uh, started 45 minutes earlier than they advertised, so that was dope. Me and uh, Cody went into the 7-Eleven across the street. Uh, momentarily came out, and, like, the finale was fucking over. It was awesome. Uh, missed the entire show. We got to watch it driving up to it. Uh, but you beat traffic. Mount Holly on that one. Yeah, you beat traffic, no. though. Oh, no. No, traffic was fucking out there. The shit just started way earlier than it was supposed to, and, uh, you know. Here we are. Uh, love a good holiday weekend, cause uh, especially Fourth of July, cause the entire fucking country gets patriotic and everybody wants to, you know, serve their country. So my phone didn't shut the fuck up all weekend. That was dope. Yeah, it was. It was a good weekend though, boys. It was. I went golfing twice. Went to the softball field, so I was definitely in the sun. Got burnt. Got cooked. Nothing wrong with that. But hey, also went to the bar. Yeah, I got crispy. Went to the bar Monday night, and that killed my Fourth of July. I was out to like two in the morning. And I was like, nah, sorry, doc, couldn't get on COD. I decided to go out instead last minute, a little about to fall asleep, and just went out. So, but hey. Sorry, we picked up dubs without you. 
It's all good. Me and Chris are running a seven, I think six out of seven nights cod streak. So we're, but we've been on fire out there at the old Vondel Island, whatever you want to call it out there in, in Sweden. But NFC West boys, we are 64 days away from the NFL season. And based on this calendar I have, we are 51 days from the college football season. We are literally mm. there. We are down the stretch. We're let, less than two months from some competitive football. Preseason also starts. And a little over a month, I know it's preseason, but hey, it's good to see some football back from the NFL and college. But I start with Chris, the Arizona Cardinals. God, they have a new coach with Jonathan Gannon, the former Eagles defense coordinator. Kyler Murray's out two to three months to start the season. They did stock up a lot of draft picks going into next year's draft. Are, are they headed that way? Are they going to be the first pick when it's all said and done heading in 2024's NFL draft? I mean, they're definitely one of the hot teams right now to have that first pick. Like you mentioned, they they did tremendous with their trade in this draft. They traded back for, to number 12th overall and acquiring the 33rd pick, and then they moved back up to get Johnson, which they were getting Johnson anyways for that with that number six pick. So they picked up a next-year first round. I mean, this team's definitely up there to get the first first pick of next year's draft yeah i definitely agree I, i'm pretty sure luke and doc are gonna side on us with that one i mean i know we mentioned teams going 0 and 17 and i think this is legitimately the one team that can do it i i mean i think they're gonna win a game somewhere just because i don't like to say teams go winless but it sure looks like that i think even with kyler murray back when he does get back it's gonna be a, a clown show they lost a lot on defense they lost deandre hopkins i'm not a big kyler murray fan as it is this offense isn't that good I mean, Seattle and, and definitely the San Francisco 49ers are the, the kings of this division at the moment. They're the teams that are balling. We'll see what the Rams do. We'll see. We'll talk about them in a few minutes. But I, I don't know. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals, they're just a mess. I mean, and that's how I feel. I, I don't, there's nothing good about them, honestly. I, they paid Kyle Murray, a guy that doesn't know how to study the playbook, apparently plays more Call of Duty than anybody. So I just not sold in the Arizona Cardinals this year or any other year in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Mark, for, like for you me, said no. – I mean, Mark, like you said, they had, they did very little to upgrade their roster this year. Free agency, they let their top two free agents go with Zach Allen and that cornerback Murphy Jr. Had, um, D-Hop left. Baker, I mean, not Baker, but fucking Buda Baker. He might be leaving. I mean, he came out today, said he's coming to off-season workouts. Not off-season workouts, but like mini-camp. But he's wanting a new contract. They barely did anything to try to make this team competable, except for get some draft picks for next year. Yeah, this is definitely be a, a rebuild year for them. I think. I think they maybe two wins if if they're lucky, and still, I, they're they're probably the, the favorite for the number one draft pick overall. I mean, yeah, they were four thirteen last year, Doc. I mean, that's pretty pretty bad. They were literally. The, the third tier, if you look at like the you know the NFL in thirds of all categories, offense, defense, you name it, the Arizona Cardinals were there. And four wins with Kyler Murray most of the year. Imagine what they're going to do without him like most of the year this year. It's going to be a clown show, I think. Sorry, Jonathan Gannon. I think we're, you're going to struggle, my friend. Yeah, I mean, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is kind of the, the scapegoat on that whole operation out there. And I, I think a lot of people are failing to realize that Cliff is not the problem in Arizona. Kyler Murray is the problem. Um, prima donna just worried about way more than than anything going on in the football field um coupled with you know the the lack of 
uh, moves on the roster like we talked about. I definitely have him as a pretty much a guarantee to be in the, in the top three picks, um, but I've kind of got him on a toss-up between them and the Texans. Um, I also want to put the Raiders up there. I think the Raiders might even finish a little bit better uh, than the Cardinals this year, but, uh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, in, in no particular order, no doubt it's going to be the Cardinals, the Texans, and the Raiders going going top three. Yeah, so I mean, it looks like it's thing- good. No, you go, Chris. I'll real quick. The sad thing about it, too, Doc, like you were talking about Kyler Murray, is that he has the talent. He does. And this is giving me like Johnny Money, Johnny Money situation here. Because Manziel also had the talent. He was just put in a shitty franchise, didn't work out, and off off the field problems. Yeah. I mean, one was partying and drinking, and one was playing video games. So, I mean, two different things, but both off the field. I mean, it, yeah, because even on the field, I mean, I'd say that, that Arizona has put the pieces up there for Kyler to be successful, and he's just – he's distracted. He's distracted every step of the way. He's whining, crying about something, uh, bitching about another thing. You know, there, there's always a different excuse. And, you know, at the end of the season, it was Cliff. And don't get me wrong. I mean, Cliff was not the right coach. I mean, we saw that, you know, in his in his brief playoff appearance that he had. But – uh but you that know, was still not, on Kyler Murray too, though. No, hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. It's everybody I mean, were looking at it like Cliff definitely mismanaged shit, but it was not ultimately Cliff's problem. I mean, the the end of the day, the reality is Kyler Murray. Ha- I mean, anybody has a talent. You know what I'm saying? Jay, Jay Cutler had the talent. You know, it's it, there's only so much coach can do. It's got to come down to execution, and that's there's so many question marks still in his his ability to read the game, execute. You know. The IQ is there. The ceiling is there, but he's just – the dude is jumping on a toddler trampoline, you know what I'm saying, trying to get to that ceiling. That's what's going on. I mean, they were 11-0, I think, in 2021 to start the season, and they lost their last, I believe, five games. Absolutely. Finished 11 and five. Shit the bed. Yeah, got shitted on in the playoffs. I believe that was against the Rams. Yeah, because that was the Rams' Super Bowl year. So that was the year the Rams beat them in the NFC – or the NFC wildcard round on that first, you know, flex, super yep. flex Monday night game, whatever it was. And they were just shit last year. I mean, <laughs> rightfully so. And I hate to say it, Luke, they're over under. I don't like to go so low. I'm not going to go super low because I honestly would say one and a half or even half a game. I'm going three and a half over under for the Arizona Cardinals. And I, I looked at their schedule and Chris is pulling up right now. I maybe see maybe a, a couple wins at the end of the season when Kyler gets back, when it's all said and done, when teams maybe have nothing to play for. But I mean, the end of the schedule is still pretty tough. Your last month in December, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Chicago, Philly, Seattle. I believe all those teams in December are going to be playing for a playoff spot. So I really have under. I think maybe one or two wins, but I literally think the Arizona Cardinals can go 0-17, and it wouldn't shock me to see a third team to win this. This is a tough, tough schedule. I got to be honest. Uh, Without Kyler opening up against Washington, New York is an improved team, Dallas, San Francisco, Cincinnati. I mean, just top to bottom. And then you got the Bears late where you're looking. Even me as a Bears fan, I'm looking like, all right, they might be able to edge that one out. But you're talking Justin Fields getting into his prime. The team's coming together under a new, you know, new rule in, in the coaching. Uh, you know, the, the the scheme finally working. That's that's where I'm looking. You know, Justin Fields going to come in late. So I'm not even sure I'm giving that game. I might be – they might be number one. I might be looking at that Houston game, and that's it. Maybe yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, Houston game, maybe. Yeah, Atlanta. I was looking at Atlanta too. And Washington would be like, maybe for a third win, first week in Washington. Colt Coy is still a solid backup quarterback, so he can get things done. But that wide receiver core, they don't have anybody in the wide receiver core. Uh, like, I don't trust Hollywood Brown as their number one wide receiver. Uh, you saw what he did with the Ravens. He 
fucking drops like half the balls it gets out to him anyways. He first off, yeah, they're he not beating Atlanta. That. And that's not being biased. I think Atlanta's a lot more talented than Arizona. I think our no, defense is a lot more yeah. I, I don't think they're I don't think we're going to Arizona with But I'm not else. but I'm not at a point where I'm ready to call an Atlanta for sure oh, yeah. win team yet. Yeah. Because uh, even, like I said, even with Chicago, I'm kind of up in the air on it. I want to say Chicago's going to come together at the end of the season, and that's kind of like my wild card where where they might eke one out. But that's why I think I'm going over under. I'll lead it off here. I'm going four. I'm going to go over with the four. Uh, I like them for Washington, Atlanta, and Houston, and then I like them for a random wild card upset where, where uh, Kyler Murray turns on the blinders and, and focuses everything out and finally learns how to – I, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep the comment to myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with the under on this one with uh, two wins, one being Houston and the other one being maybe Atlanta. But that's all I got for them. Maybe they can sneak out a third one time playing uh, the Rams. But other than that, I'm not huge, not huge on them. I think they get the first overall pick this season. Yeah, I'm going I under. Ahead, I don't see ahead, over at all there. I don't see over with Doc. I think Doc, you took a lo- too much of a long nap there. Might have been dreaming a little Lala Lane and Kyler Murray making some of those Madden like plays because they're not winning four games. I'm, I, if they win four games, I, I don't, I don't know NFL at all. I, I just don't see it here. The schedule's hard. I think Los Angeles will be a little better than they were last year. And I'm telling you right now, I see maybe one win, maybe two at the most. So I'm going under. If they win four, you owe me your first pick in the draft next year. No, I'm good. I'm 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 gonna go with Doc here. I'm gonna go over. I think there's a couple trap games here, Washington, and then you don't know when Kyler Murray's coming back. If he's back for that Houston and that Los Angeles game, I mean those are dubs right there. Especially Los Angeles with the history of injuries and they rely heavily on their three old grandpas back there. So and then I can see maybe them beating Seattle just because it's the very last game. Seattle is already going to clinch that playoff contention and they're not going to play anybody. They're going to sit yep. everybody. So uh, I can see them winning that game, not head to head if starters are starting, but if Seattle's sitting, I can see them winning that game. Garbage time. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they, if they go over, I don't think they get the first pick. I think the, the worst team in the league is going to have two or three wins this year. And so, I mean, I don't, if you guys are going over, that's why I said I'm a toss up. I'm a toss up on them being the number one pick. I'm a toss up between them and Houston, and maybe even spicing, uh, sprinkling a little bit of Raider action. Yeah, so that's your Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we'll see what they do. Uh, big, big things coming, I guess, for them. They have, like I said, they have a lot of draft picks going in the next couple drafts. So they're definitely in the rebuilding mode. And moving on to last year's Los Angeles Rams. They finished 5 and 12, coming off literally two seasons ago of winning the Super Bowl. They went all in, seemed like they had a couple year window. They lost Jalen Ramsey. They lost a lot more on defense as well. Stafford and Cooper Cup are back. Sean McVay decided to return for another year. Even with Stafford and Cooper Cup, Luke, their Los Angeles Rams were three and six last year. So they never had any momentum going at all. Do you see a bounce back year for the Los Angeles Rams, or do they just stay below average? Yeah, I, th- I think they'll be in like like the bottom tier in the NFL this season. I, I don't I don't see Matthew Stafford coming back being like that much better, like. I mean, Matthew Stafford coming off an injury. Uh, their wide receiver core is like, yeah, they have Cooper Cup, but is he going to be the same after his injury? Then Van Jefferson's an aging wide receiver. And other than that, like right, Tyler Higby, solid tight end, but I, I don't trust Cam Akers or Sonny Michelle running the ball 
either. So they, they were trying to get rid of Cam Akers last season. I just understand where you guys say these aging receivers. Chris said 30s old, now 26 is old. I mean, I don't get it. Like, I, I get I, it. He's 30, got injury 30, history, but 30s up there. <laughs> but 30s up there, but it's not old. I'm saying 30, 33, 34 is old. You guys are no, killing Van, me here. Every year, his production is getting worse. So. Yeah, I mean, he, he, had, he had that big yeah. year one year. Yeah, yeah. and Demarcus mm-hmm. Robinson, hey, there's an old aging wide receiver for you. Yep, when Chief, you're 30 yeah. and showing yeah. decline and in injury, you're you're old. Yeah, I know. But I mean, it's not just the wide receivers, Luke. It's the run game too. I mean, Cam Akers after his rookie season, he came back from that nasty injury and he balled out in the Super Bowl. He had a good playoff run. You know, didn't think he was going to play honestly. He shit the bed last year, so this is his third season. I'm not high on the Florida State running back at all. I think the run game is a joke. I know Sean McVay is a great offensive play caller. I just don't see with an aging, like you said, Stafford, who's coming off that elbow injury, which is it's ruined careers in the past from other quarterbacks. So is Stafford going to be healthy this year? Even like I said, last year he was healthy. He was three, they were three and six. So it wasn't like they were off the charts last year when he get went down and then they shit the bed from there. Baker had to come in and play serviceable quarterback last year. Hell, we might see Stenson Bennett this year, who they drafted, I think in the third or fourth round. He might get play time this year when it's all said and done in the second half of the season. Wouldn't be here if they kept girly. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, so I think the big thing about the Los Angeles Rams is you have your very old veterans that have shown injury history. You got Cup, Stafford, Darnold, but then you have the Rams that pretty much sat out at free agency, didn't do much, didn't have a pick day one in the draft, but days two and three, they walked up to the podium 14 times. So they have a lot of rookies on their team that are going to have to step up. So the Rams are going to have to hopefully not get injured and hopefully these rookies step up. I mean, I, mean, I think been... they got one of the... Go ahead. No, that's been the problem with the Rams since McVay's been there. They have never had to have rookies step up because they give draft picks away. I think they've only had one first-round draft pick, and had, I believe it was his first time making a pick. If I, I could be wrong on that. He might have not made any, but I know he hasn't made any since his second season in the, in the league. So they're, they've never had to have rookies step up. Well, that many rookies. They might have had you know, a second, third round here, play good, but not on this kind of level where it's been all young players. That's what it seems like. It's a youth team now. It's not – you know, superstar team where they get Jalen Ramsey and they tried Bobby Wagner last year. He's gone after one year. So it's all youth. And I, I don't know how McVay is going to do with that. Yeah, the Rams are going to be an interesting team to watch. And then on to their rushing game, like you said. I mean, it's a contract year for Cam Akers. And when it's a contract year for these running backs, that's when they step up. So I would and not still be surprised. Exactly. I mean, me and Mark talked about this running back paid a little off this offline but i mean i i would not expect cam Akers to have a bad year i mean doc he's your former florida state running back i mean i know jones uh he likes to still defend him and all that but i'm just not high on cam Akers. i i don't think he's good i think he had a good playoff like i said his, his rookie season when he came back from injury but i i don't know i don't think he does anything to help this offense at all where it's literally the Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford show. 
I'm going to be honest. Uh, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking for an improvement year from Cam Akers. The contract year is a big deal. Guys definitely play different in their contract year. Um, I don't think he's a top tier. I don't think he's going to elevate this team to any particular level, but I am looking for an improvement from him this year. Um, and quite frankly, as far as, you know, stepping up and helping this offense, uh, I'm going to go on a limb here. It's going to be my hot take for this episode. I mean, I could help that offense. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's how bad the situation is in Los Angeles right now. Um, I don't think it takes much, and it, it, it could very well take a guy like Cam Akers to step up, open up the passing game for Stafford to help him connect with Cooper and, uh, you know, other options uh, downfield. But, you know, a lot's got to come together here. Um, you know, the defense was kind of depleted uh, through the offseason, lost a lot of big pieces, and, you know, there's just there's so much missing. This is such an incomplete team right now. Uh, I don't know if I put them below the Cardinals, obviously, um, but I definitely, I definitely have them a few strings short. Yeah, it's just very shocked. They you know they had that window. I mean, they've been good most of Sean McVay's tenure. They know they went to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. They just won it, like I said, two seasons ago, and now it seems like the window literally shut. The whole window it went from being wide open because they built that free agency and they traded through, you know, through all these teams and they got superstars, but it just shut. And that's why I have their over-under at six and a half. I mean, it's so bad, I think. This is going to probably be one of the worst teams that Sean McVay's coached for Los Angeles. And it's just sad to say because now Aaron Donald, who came back and was expecting you know a bigger window, he might be gone after this year. I mean, I know he's teased it. People keep saying he's going to be gone. Hell, Sean McVay might be gone after this year. He might up and just up and leave and go to the broadcasting. So my over-under is six and a half, and, and – I'm going to go under. I think I'm looking at a five or six win team out of the Los Angeles Rams. I, I don't see much there. Like I said, maybe they'll win a, a couple trap games, but I'm just not high on the Rams this year. I, I don't think Stafford's going to come back that, like, you know, and ball out. I think he's, like I said, he's been, had a pretty decent career, finally got a Super Bowl, but I'm going under five or six wins. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think five or six is a real good number. I'm going under as well. Um, I don't think it's going to be anything crazy below it, but, you know, I look at, the schedule they got going right now, Indianapolis, obviously, I think can be can be a win. Um, they might even sneak out Pittsburgh um, and possibly even Green Bay. And then I think a sweep of Arizona. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm over here sitting at the under two, uh, maybe four wins. I don't, I don't see four wins, probably max five wins for them. Probably going to be Baltimore, too. Everybody's beating Baltimore this year. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure they are. I actually saw something uh, over the weekend, Luke, for you. I wanted to send it to the group chat, and I, I didn't. Um, but somebody <laughs> made their hot take of the standings and had Baltimore going 17-0 this year, and I was like, this guy will get a kick out of that. I think you're <laughs> I know Colin, That's a good take right there. Colin Coward did that a couple years ago, speaking of your boy. He, uh, he said the Ravens, I think, it was the year after the Super Bowl or the year after the MVP year. I think he had them going 17 or 16-0, 17-0. It was one of, one of those years. What did they finish after that that year? Well, it was uh, – I, I, I have to look in 2020. It wasn't 17. I mean, I, it, just, it just goes to fucking speak to Colin Cowherd's, uh, you know, reliability there. Uh, the guy's just a fucking moron. Um, <laughs> not even – I know I talk a lot of shit about the Ravens, but the sitting here and say the Ravens were going to go 17-0. I mean, good defense. Always a historically a good defensive team, uh, but to still not have any weapons – uh, aside from Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, this is probably their best offensive weapon season, in my opinion, uh, if they got a healthy Andrews. But we'll, we won't we won't dive. We won't dive into the this isn't the Baltimore Ravens division. But uh, I just wanted to take the opportunity, like I do every episode, to say, fuck Colin Coward. Uh, you're an idiot. 
Yeah, Chris, you were you were to yeah. speak on your over under as well. <laughs> I mean, we're all under. So, I mean, are you going to follow the three of us, or are you taking that that over? Yeah, no, no. Uh, Division winners. I mean, like I like I said, this this season all depends on if Cup and Stafford can stay healthy. Other than that, they really don't have anybody except rookies, and we don't know about them. I have them under at like I'm going to agree with you, Mark, five or six wins. Yeah, so I guess right now we're. I think the most boring part of the division is finally done. I know we were saying off air last after our last episode, we were not excited for the NFC West. I, I think out you know, with Arizona and Los Angeles, it just weighs them down so heavily. But now we're getting to the guts of the NFC West. And now that's the Seattle Seahawks, a team last year who we literally thought would win only maybe two games after they tried Russell, traded Russell Wilson and had a pick between Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Geno got that nod, finally got a good chance to start. They did go 9-8, and, and they got their ass kicked in the NFC wild card against the 49ers, 41-23. And that's the question. Does this offense, Doc, make that jump even further, cut the turnovers down because they had a lot of turnovers in the second half of the season. That's one of the biggest problems they had was turnovers. And does Geno Smith live up to his expectations and maybe even surpass those expectations now that we have for him? Do the, do the Seahawks make that big jump on offense especially? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, um, you know, Gino, I thought, did a fantastic job given his his history in the NFL and kind of, you know, and a lot of that was him putting just kind of shitty situations and not really be given a true opportunity. Um, and I think finally pairing him up with receivers. And, and don't get me wrong, a lot of his success is built off the receiving core in Seattle, but good for him. Good for him. He had weapons. He made it work. Not everybody... Not everybody can step into a receiving core and still still make it happen. You know what I'm saying? So good on him for being able to do that. I think he definitely shows improvement. I think that uh, the turnover is where they dialed down this year and and really focus in the offseason and, and cut those numbers down. And if they can do that, Seattle could absolutely uh, be a sleeper to take this division, even from San Francisco, as much as I like him. If Geno Smith can dial that down, the offense can come together. Defense uh, hopefully still good or, you know uh, – little bit of improvement there but um i think my biggest upset for the seahawks in the draft was um taking jackson smith and jigba i think it was kind of a weird move unless you're expecting i know that they they signed dk to the extension so i mean unless you're looking to lose Lockett in the next year or two it's kind of a weird move to me to bring in a third receiver uh i would like to see uh, either something in the running game to replace you know the losses they had there or um you know well, something they did, defensively they... to try to get they did draft Zach Car- Zach Carbonet from UCLA's 2001 yard seasons the last two seasons. So they definitely addressed that backup position for Kenneth Walker the third. So I mean I, That's true. I don't know Doc. That's yeah. true. And I wouldn't have used the first round pick on a running back anyways. Um B. John Robinson's probably the only one that I would have ever used that. He he's a special type of back. I don't know that I would have wasted it in the first round, but Either way, it would have been nice to see something defensively uh, to try to rebuild that 12th man. Um, I know that there was a lot of holes in the defense last year, um, a lot of shootouts. And um, th- this team is is the right making to be a perfect storm to sneak this division away from San Francisco uh, with them. Well, we'll get into San Francisco, but uh, this is this is almost my hot take to actually take the division, my true hot take. I don't know. I, so, I am the legion of – I, I'm getting Legion of Boom go, vibes. Go, I, I, go, okay. go, no, I'm, go, I'm, go, I'm go, just going to say go, I'm go, getting go, Legion go. of Boom vibes. They, they did draft Devin Witherspoon with their first pick. So they got the top corner of everyone's boards, most, like, most likely everyone's boards coming into the draft. So they got the boy from Illinois to pair with Tyreek Woodland, who was <sighs> a freaking steal last year they got him. 
I think this offense can be very electric as well if Geno cuts turnovers down. They have a good running game now. They have good linemen that they've invested on. And Geno is the question, is can he live up to expectations? Sorry, Chris, sorry to cut you off there. I just want to get the Legion of Boom vibes. That They're there. They're getting there. <laughs> well, and yeah, I, no, I just want to say one last thing before – sorry, because I just want to say one last thing before you jump into it. But uh, don't – don't. I mean, the, the turnovers definitely played a part last year, but don't focus too big on that. I mean, Geno Smith still put up numbers. They still got wins. They still fought. You know what I'm saying? Turnovers could be the make or break on some of these games, but the dude still balled the fuck out even with the turnovers. So, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna have a couple things here, and I'm going to disagree with Doc here. I think their draft was phenomenal. I mean, they had two first-round picks. with They addressed the defensive need with Devin Witherspoon, like well, Mark said. Absolute – I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't say the draft was shit. I just didn't like taking the receiver in the first round. That was the only thing I said. I'm gonna. I'm gonna follow that one up. But I mean, Devin Witherspoon, yeah. the number one cornerback in the draft. I mean, he had a completion percentage of 34.9 percent, which is insane, and racked up 20 forced incompletions, and didn't even give up a touchdown, which is crazy to me. And then, represent. With, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, getting Najigba, I think that was huge. I mean, Lockett's turning 31. He's battled several injuries. So, I think getting that third wide receiver that can step up in place of Tyler Lockett is huge for them. So, I think that was a great draft, especially because they addressed that defensive need with their first-round pick. Yeah, especially I'm in getting there. That's why. That's the only reason I can think that they went with, with Njigba, uh, Njigba Smith is um, – because of that Lockett issue. I mean, if Lockett falls out and he steps in, then then it works out. You know what I'm saying? But if you got two healthy receivers, Jackson so helps regardless where you put him because he's he's a tier one receiver, in my opinion, as a rookie coming out of the draft. But um, just a lot of potential for wasted opportunity where you could have furthered that defense, maybe with a linebacker or, uh, you know, something on the line. Uh, you definitely address the secondary um, with that corner. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pulling for Seattle this year. That's for sure. And with with yeah, Gino, I, I don't, I don't think he played phenomenal, like you're saying. I mean, he had he had 31 turnovers, like you said, turnovers doesn't matter, or whatever. But the only twice in the final 10 games that he did, he posted a passing grade high, higher than 70. percent I think he did enough to win games. I don't think he played phenomenal. I mean, they boosted the O-line for him in the draft. They did good. I mean, he has the pieces on both sides of the ball to make a significant run in the division. I think that's it, though. I don't think, I think this is a team that's going to make it far in the postseason. No, no I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack a little bit here. I'm gonna go, you know, with my phenomenal play. We're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight that's off of historical Geno Smith in comparison to what he is what everybody thought he was capable of doing. I mean, the guy absolutely fucking balled out for, for what they thought, you know, and, and my buddy that I was deployed with last year is, is a diehard Seahawks fan. And we were making fun of him talking about drew lock and Geno Smith, like have fun with the first pick in the draft next year. And then, lo and behold, I mean, we saw who did get the first pick. Right. But uh, you know, um, but seeing like, it definitely was like a jaw drop moment, seeing uh, what was being done. Like when we thought, what was going to be the quarterback situation in Seattle and how it turned out. It was a vast difference than, than what we were expecting. I'll agree with you yeah. on that one. Yeah. So I'm going to agree with Chris about the Geno Smith. I think, I think he's good enough to like win games, get them like win, 
win, get to the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win the division. I don't see them beating the 49ers. But I think Geno Smith's good enough to manage the talented wide receiver core that he has. I think the Seahawks have probably the top one or two wide receiver cores in the NFL right now with DK Metcalf, Lockett, when healthy, and uh, Jackson Smith. So, I mean, I, I like it. All he has to do is not make uh, as many bad decisions throwing the ball and just hand the ball off to Kenneth Walker. Hopefully he can keep his uh, momentum from last season. And I guess I'm going to jump do, on that do train, have, too. Just, do we have the turnover numbers from last season? Yeah, uh, as far well, as interceptions and fumbles? Well, it was towards the know, second half of the season. Fumbles. It was towards the second half of the season when Geno really had to be fumbles because he only – he only had eleven so, picks. It had to be fumbled. Well, last year, yeah. So, but yeah. still, thirty to thirty to eleven is not like it's that's like almost three to one. So he had less than a little over two touchdowns to every interception. That's not. It's little, not the let's best. Call, let's call like it what it is. Almost three touchdowns to every interception. It's thirty it's, to it's one, great. not twenty, not it's, twenty-two to one. It's great for him. Two. Don't get me wrong. It's good for him, but he has to live up to the expectations. And Doc, I'm sorry, I'm disagreeing with you as well. They did address the linebacker position. They brought back Bobby Wagner, who was one of the top linebackers last year, rated in PFF, and they drafted Derek Hall, first team All SEC out of Auburn. I mean, in the second round, so they they were they're addressing the linebacker position. They're putting the defense together. I know they they're, they're young. Besides Bobby Wagner and a couple guys on that side, they yes they gave up a lot of in scoring and and yards last year. I'm sorry, they're yes the yards and, and scoring, but I think it's going to be better now with youth. You know, now they have experience. They have Bobby Wagner back. Man is one of the best linebackers in football still today. I, I'm getting the Legion of Boom vibes. I'm telling you right now, have fun throwing on Tyreek Tyreek Woodland and Devin Witherspoon. You might get Rookie of the Year right there as well, with Devin Witherspoon. I yeah, I'll, I'll tell you back what I said about the junior. linebacker then. Legion of so Boom it's, Junior. It's yeah, and it's on Geno. It really, it's on Geno. It's like Russell. If you don't do, don't fuck up. That's all it is. Don't fuck up the, the year, and you might do something. And now he has expectations. Geno's never been there before to say, oh, okay, I can have two good years in a row. So that's the keys. Now we have game film over Geno Smith in 2022 from his play, not 2012, 2014, whatever year he got drafted. It, so now we're going to see what Geno could do two years in a row under one system. Well, if they made solid improvements in the line, then you're going to see a different Geno Smith than you saw last year. I know a lot of, that yeah. was, a lot of the turnover stuff was fumbles last year. He's the key. That's the thing. He's the key. I think Geno Smith still has a better season this year than uh, Russell Wilson. So, oh, I mean, yeah, I agree. I think he's in a better. Luke, I think. Offensive... I think. I think you've got a better season than than Russell Wilson. Probably, but I still think he's I, in a better I, offensive system right now than Russell Wilson is at the moment. He he has better offensive weapons. I'll agree with that. But Big I facts. Think, I think Russell Wilson is set up now with Sean Payton to turn his career around. And if, we'll definitely get Russell yeah, we'll get eye on that one. Wants, yeah. If Russell wants to work, if he wants to ride, then he'll ride. Well, Seahawks Nation, they're over under <laughs> ten and a half. And like I said, they were nine eight last year. They had a, a struggling second half, so they were hot the first half, and then the second half just kind of came apart. They, I think, they snuck their way into the wild card. I mean, like I said they were struggling. They they won the last game of the year. It's all they had to do to get in. And then when it came to it, the Niners beat. Beat the dog piss out of them. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over. I think this team is an 11 win team this year. I think they get a two win improvement. I, mean, I can see 10 wins, but I really think that with this schedule, they can get 11 wins. I think they can go 11 and six. I don't think they win the division. I think the Niners are still going to be in the Niners. So I'll go 11 and six. My over for the Seattle Seahawks finally getting over with the NFC West. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, go but- with you, Mark, on the over. 
Uh, same same thing. Eleven wins. I I think they take a wild card slot in the uh, the NFC. I'll yeah, go, I'm I'll I'm go. right there with you. I'll go over, but I think this division is a lot closer than we think, and Seattle and Forty ers will be. They're going to be fighting it out to the very end on who wins this division. I think it's going to be very close. Yeah, you could. I I can see that. I honestly do. I, I'm right there with you. I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle wins the, the division. I wouldn't I'll either. I think that there's still a lot of uncertainty in uh, in in San Francisco's quarterback situation, and uh, you know we've seen a little bit from both guys, but you know there's been some injury issues with Trey Lance. There's been other issues. You know, I I, I think there's still a lot of question marks uh, where it matters in San Francisco. But looking at Seattle, I mean, if I'm I'm definitely taking the over here ten and a half. I think we're talking. I mean, just looking at it at face value is 11, and I'm telling you, if if San Francisco runs into another quarterback injury situation this year, um, I think it could be a very, very, very disappointing season for San Francisco uh, that's going to cause a fire within the um, the organization. And I think that Seattle has the potential to go up to probably 13 wins if if everything works out in their favor this year. Damn. Well, you mentioned the Niners, Doc, and that's the next team on the docket, the team that went 13-4 and last year. They literally ran the table until they ran into that, and it's like you said, a quarterback situation, NFC Championship game, got demolished by the Eagles. We don't know what would have happened if the guy that Luke likes to say, Big Cock Brock, would have stayed healthy. And that's that's the thing is John Lynch has already said that if healthy, this is Brock Purdy's team. So the question now is, do you trade Trey Lance? Because right now he's listed as third on the depth chart behind Sam Darnold. So – now, do you trade trade Lance? Obviously, if you put that behind Brock Purdy, so Brock Purdy has no distractions at all. Question is, is this a redemption year, Chris? Like I said, they had that correct problem last year. I mean, I do think it's a redemption year. I think it's a roller bust year for the San Francisco 49ers with Mr. Irrelevant in the 2021 NFL draft. I'm sorry, 2022 NFL draft, Brock Purdy. Yeah, I mean, it's hard right now to say because Brock Purdy isn't we don't know how his injury is, how he's throwing. I know he's throwing now. He's working with some throwing coaches. But is he going to be fully healthy to start the season? I think they might try to roll out with Trey Lance. I mean, they drafted him. They haven't really got to see what he can do. I mean, he's been injured every year. He you got to give him one more chance. I think, yeah, I think they roll with Trey Lance just because we don't know how efficient Brock Purdy is going to be to start the year. Well, I guess we're going to have to find out because uh, right now the reports are out of the camp is that the Niners have Sam Darnold listed as number two. So, I mean, is Trey Lance really going to be, have a chance or is if Brock Purdy hurt, are they going to roll with Sam Darnold, the former Jet and Carolina Panther? I'm not uh, going to too much. I'm not going to read too much into the depth chart right now until maybe the fourth game of preseason. I mean, we don't know anybody's – fully healthy we don't know if sam darnold can get the offense going we don't know any of these questions i'm not going to read too much in the depth chart about trey lance being third yeah yeah I, looking, I think looking at the numbers for you know for brock purdy i mean five and oh is great that sounds great at face value i mean uh completion percentage 67 is is 
you know, right up there with the NFL average. I mean, not, not anything to knock, but not anything to write home about. Um, touchdowns, interceptions, sure. But, uh, you know, the big one for me is the yards per game, 152. You know, I don't think that we've seen Brock Purdy at its full. And that's why I think the that's why, that's why I said that the, the quarterback situation is the biggest question mark in San Francisco right now, because you've got one guy that you haven't really seen to be able to make a decision on and know that this is your guy for the future. All right, this is similar to Colin Kaepernick coming in and taking uh, what? What did he go like fourteen and two? Is is one well, season his, or something? His style, you know, the, out. His whole playing style just sizzled out. My point is, my, my point is, you you didn't you didn't get a full, you know, look at at Kaepernick. I I was not impressed with him way back in the day, and then uh, you know Brock Purdy, we saw for five games, five starts rather. Um, I think he played like nine or ten games total last year, or appeared in them. Um, and then the uh, yeah. yeah, and then the Trey Lance injury, you know, his injury history. I'm going to be honest. If you trade, like, you do not trade Trey Lance right now. At, at this point, with what San Francisco is putting together and where they stand in the division, you're keeping every goddamn quarterback that you can get your hands on, so that you have a backup plan to the backup to the backup plan. Uh, to make sure that you're putting this team in a position to win, because if you got Sam Darnold number two, I'm gonna tell you right now, you ain't making it to the playoffs. Sam well, Darnold is. It might be time to trade him because uh, Miami. It might be good to get some draft picks back because Miami won that trade. Like I honestly, Miami won the trade. They got Jalen Waddle, Bradley Chubb, and Tyree Kill out of that out of that trade. That's the three picks they got for Trey Lance. So it might but be. Trey Lance. Yeah, but you're 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 not you're not ready to trade Trey Lance until you know what Brock Purdy is health wise, what he can do full time on the field, truly taking command of this team. And he definitely had the training wheels on last season. Obviously, as a rookie, you know there there's so many question marks surrounding him still. In my opinion, um, again, 150 yards a, seat, a game that that's fucking that's telling me that the run game won it, and that's telling me that the defense won it. They ain't telling me your quarterback did shit. You know what I'm saying? The real question so, is, the real question though, Luke and you guys, why don't Sam Darnold gets a chance? I mean, we like to shit on because of the Jets and Panthers, and you guys like to say, well, Baker this, Baker didn't have all that shit around him. Sam Darnold came from two shit organizations, literally. What happens if he has now a good scheme in San Francisco who seems like anybody can run that offense? With that weapon, with those weapons and that defense, why doesn't Sam Darnold gets a chance and balls out and goes like 12-5? and five? You have to get rid yeah. of Trey Lance then. Then trade Trey Lance, yeah. But I'm saying you you don't have my problem is right now you don't have a direction with the quarterback. But you every might, week might even, somebody but, every week the depth chart is changing. But he might not even get the chance if Sam Darnold or Brock Purdy plays. Then you're just wasting with the third string spot, and he's never going to play. And then his trade stock is going to go down, and you literally gave up everything for him. What and you get what nothing stock, back. What trade stock does he have right now? What do you, you think probably, you're going to get on the return get, for Trey Lance? You get third rounders for him. Minnesota probably get a third rounder for him right now if they're actually looking for a quarterback with behind Kirk Cousins. But if you don't play him this year and he sits another year, now it goes from third to fifth, maybe sixth round draft picks. You're not going to get. And nothing if you in get that for Trey Lance at any point in his career right now, but with his injury history, you're counting yourself. Well, I'm going to be honest. I don't think you're getting anything higher than a than a sixth or a seventh for Trey Lance right now. I don't. We've seen a yeah, lot I, better go for a seventh round in the NFL. A lot better. It, it's not worth it for the 49ers to even try to trade him for what they've already given up for him. I think he's going to get an opportunity in the preseason to show what he's got if he's can play with this offense. I think any quarterback that's competent can like run this offense and win games. That's all he has to do is just not not turn the ball over and complete some passes and another hard. They don't have to be the star quarterback of the NFL to win with this team. This team, besides the quarterback position, is stacked on both sides of the ball. All you need, all you need is is 
if Brock Purdy gets hurt, you need one half for Sam Darnold to shit the bed, and then Trey Lance got his opportunity to step up until he gets hurt. I would, and then and then the whole organization's fucked, and they don't even make the playoffs. To just sidestep the quarterback situation, I would give the defense a little bit of attention. I mean, they did lose five players who cracked the top 10 for PFS free agency rankings. The defense took a hit, and they did draft some players to try to replace. So, I mean, they got some rookies in the defensive positions. They didn't draft or they didn't sign too many big names and sign in free agency. So, I mean, Hargrave. the defense, they did get Hargrave from the Eagles, but and Sam Darnold. I mean, if the front seven's pressuring the quarterback, the secondary literally won't matter if, if they can get to the quarterback in two seconds or less. That's what it seems like they do. So, I mean, yeah, they, they still got a the corner over there. So, I, I'm not can, too worried about their defense. Teams can adjust to that. You just do Joe Burrow quick slant, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, but their linebackers way. are good. But their linebackers are good too. Like Luke said, it's not just the D line, it's, it's the whole front seven in general. So, to throw the slant, you got to throw to Fred Warner and you got to throw the other linebackers that are there too, who. They're one of the best linebacker cores as a team. And then they sub the, the young Troy Polamalu. I know everyone likes to call him Troy Polamalu Jr. as a safety. He's a he's a freak out there too. So, I mean, I don't know. This this team to me on paper is literally probably the best team on paper when it comes to the is definitely, overall roster. Yeah, this team is definitely up there as as one of the top teams on paper. And and they have been, you know, in the last decade. They've they've matched that as well in other seasons, but this is definitely a uh, Super Bowl or bust team. I think the moves that they're making, uh, short of the quarterback, uh, I think all the moves that they're making are to be a win-now team. Getting McCaffrey last year, um, just everything that they're doing is is in a mode to win right now. I think that they know this is their best opportunity. If they could just get a real quarterback that could stay healthy or, you know, and it might even be Brock Purdy still. I just, we need to see more of them. But, um, you know, I definitely think they're in a win-now mode. Yeah, and I think that that win now mode is th- over under 13 and a half. Like I said, they were 13 and four last year. Yeah, they had a couple games in the beginning of the year when they were going through that quarter- quarterback situation with Jimmy G. They lost Trey Lance, and then Brock Purdy finally came in the last five games regular season. And I was looking at this, and I I honestly I think they can go 14 and three. I I, I really like the over on this one. I I think there's a couple games on there that you might see. You, know, you have the Bengals. You never know what Dallas is going to do. I think at Seattle on Thanksgiving is going to be a tough one, and at Philly for sure. But I don't know. I'm looking at like a 14 and three season with this this team right now, and that's I, I like the Niners in the regular season for sure. I'm taking them under on the uh, on the 13 and a half. Um, I think I'm just under. I think I'm going 12 to 13. <clears throat> Again, a lot of things uh, are are factors in play here uh, with the quarterback situation with the health everything else um big losses that i'm looking at right off the rip i mean like you said dallas is i mean it depends on which dak prescott shows up you know what i'm saying um minnesota might even be might even be a you know a trap game it's pro- that's prime that's time, a prime yeah, time. That's a, oh that's a, yeah. yeah never mind that's what that's a dub that's a dub for them yeah uh but Your cincinnati obviously I like Seattle for one of them. Um, Philly. Yeah, I think yeah. Thanksgiving. Day, like, and and Thanksgiving Baltimore Saturday, might even yeah. come through. Baltimore late when the receivers and everything that they invested into that offense like comes together. Baltimore late might be a team to watch out for. Doc, that's, Christmas that's, Day. Here's that's 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 all shit. Prime time. Here's all shit, yeah. 
Lamar's not going to play that game, so. It's, yeah, late in the year. Oh, that's yeah. right. No, yeah, that that's yeah. too late in the year. Yeah, no, you're right. They might be over. Hey, Stu, Stu Puntley wins games still. Also loses games, too. <laughs> wins some games. It's a Pro Bowl quarterback. Yeah, it's a I got to looking at these dates and times of these games, man. That, that was two on that one that are that are obvious I mean, wins right. for this team because of who they're playing and when. Hey, I'm pretty sure Derek Carr right made the Pro Bowl last year, too, if I'm not mistaken. Who? Yeah, pro, pro Bowl he did, Derek Carr did, too. He played pro oh, that, just, that just goes that just goes to show what what the Pro Bowl really means. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, so what you thinking? Said no to play. Yeah, literally, literally, all all fucking playoff quarterbacks are like, "Nah, I'm good." And he was like, "Yeah, right, I'll, I'll do it." We ain't going. What you think, guys? I'll take under? the bullet here. Okay, I'll step up. I'll play so you guys don't have to. All right. I'll be that guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with Doc. I'm going to take the under. Uh, probably with 12, maybe 13 wins. Uh, I think I think the question mark at the quarterback position, they're going to probably find themselves in a couple shootout games, and that they're, they're not going to be able to win with the quarterback play. Yeah, they're going to need a guy late to, to get the ball downfield, yeah. and it just it, it won't. I mean, the yeah, run game. I think game it happened to him a couple times. You underestimate the run game out there, too, with Chris McCaffrey. Oh, no, no. I'm solid on the run game. I ain't questioning that. Yeah. I ain't quite. No, I just think I, they don't have somebody to go win the game. I don't. What you thinking, Chris? I'm, I'm, I'm going under as well. Twelve or thirteen. The quarterback situation there. The O line has some questions for me, and I really do think that the defense takes a little bit of a regression from last year. So I don't. I like I said with Seattle, I think it's going to be very close, and it's going to be at the very end of the year on who wins this division between Seattle and the Niners. I'm yeah, gonna I'm gonna go ahead and make. I think I said it earlier, but just in case I didn't, I'm gonna make my official hot take, maybe for the entire league. And I'm saying Seattle's won in this division. Guess we'll have to find out when it's all said and done in January. I, I think it's gonna come down to the Niners, like you said, the Niners and Seahawks, and that's that's your NFC West. And then when we record Monday, we'll have the AFC South. So we have two divisions left: the AFC and the NFC South. So we'll talk a little Jaguars, Colts, Texans, and Titans. Probably the youngest when we'll mention Will Levis plays the youngest starting quarterback depth or room in the whole division between all four. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going to be your most experienced quarterback once Will Levis gets that opportunity. So, an interesting division for the future of that to look ahead to. That is so, a scary thought. Yeah, it's definitely. I was thinking about that literally when the draft happened when CJ and AR went, and then Will Levis got drafted in the second round. So we'll talk about them the next episode. But Chris uh, sent us a good, well, sent me, and I think I might have forwarded it in our chat, but. The NFL blaming because you know they got a lot of heat for the Super Bowl field. That is grass that they they the way they do Arizona they they put the, the grass in it's natural grass they water it and all that out in the sun and then they put it back in I think the day before whatever. The NFL blames the players in the Super Bowl their cleats, which the Eagles also made cleat changes too. So I thought it was a poor fucking excuse from the NFL because TCU and Michigan had the same problem a month before that. A little over a month before that when they were slipping and sliding out there too. So, what, I guess all four teams just had shit cleats. I just think it's a lazy excuse. The NFL obviously loves to deflect and never take credit for anything that they do wrong. And I just think the guy that ran that had that field was just a shit field. I think it was just a nasty field. Well, nobody's going to come out and admit, yep, uh, my bad, guys. Uh, Y'all lost Super Bowl because I did a shit job taking care of the field. Of course, I'm not going to admit that. Um, I mean, what's what's different about the field on the Super Bowl than any other game, though? 
well, this year it was natural grass and it was just too, it was too slick. It wasn't, it was like really wet. Everyone was sliding. So it was like kind of playing on like rain conditions, like rainy conditions. Yeah. So like overwatered it to, to get it prepped, whatever. But it happened to Michigan and TCU too. So it wasn't just the Super Bowl. It was also the semifinal game in Arizona as well for college. Either either way, both teams had to play in the same field. So I don't think it really had that much of an effect on the game. Well, both teams played there. Yeah. The Eagles aren't making the excuse that that's why they lost. It was just us as fans and like, People that like the you know the people that actually watch the game and like talk about it, it was bad to see. It was bad to see. Dude, it's no, it's there. more entertaining to watch them going after the greased up deaf guy. Okay, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're gonna catch me. I think, like you said, Mark. I mean, the NFL is just deflecting here, and they're not gonna. They took, I think, one of their lead grassmen or whatever came out groundskeepers, <laughs> grass whatever you want to call them. Yeah, he came out Jesus and he said Christ. it took like 18 months for them to prepare this field and it cost them almost a million dollars. They're not going to spend that time and money and be like, yeah, you know what? That's our fault. Where did, wait, where was the where was the game at again? It was, a, it was the Cardinal Stadium. Cardinal Stadium. They spent 18 months preparing for it? Cardinals yes, played their all fucking yeah. year. You didn't. You didn't spend the eighteen months preparing for it. The Cardinals played their all goddamn year. Well, they were. I, I think they they, they yeah. got a new new grass field for that game. I think they they did. They had they yeah. they had a whole f- new field come in. It wasn't like Arizona's field. But what eighteen well, they, months did they spend? What were they fucking treating it special, like off campus? And they yeah, were like, you, "Yep, yeah. yes, yes." Yeah, yes. you do that, and then the week of they brought it in and they rolled. They kept rolling in and out. You know, let it get sunlight and all that stuff. So. Yeah, ah, they, bullshit. They it, it, regardless, bullshit excuses. <laughs> Play the fucking game. It's like it's, Jesus it's like Christ. sod, pretty much. Well, well I mean, you I know, it makes sense. It makes sense. Just playing Arizona with Kyler Murray, crybaby, and you know they had to, you know, just spread that amongst the rest of the NFL so he wasn't singled out. I guess I don't know. Well, I mean, the players aren't really complaining. It's just us, like in like the media world. We it was annoying to watch. Like, yeah, the great the game was great. It was thirty eight thirty one. I mean, it was a great Super Bowl, but. It is annoying to see like guys slipping. Like it's not raining out, so they shouldn't be falling down every single play like that. Like they should be losing their footing because there's wet spots all over the field. This is not. It's a Super Bowl. You want to have the best conditions. So especially in a dome where you shouldn't have that that those conditions at all. Yeah, there should be, be no better. rain conditions that's, in a dome. Well, that's what it looked like. That it is fair. Like they were yeah, playing that is in rain. Fair. So I mean, no like like Luke said, the Chiefs and Eagles had a play in it. It wasn't like it was just Philly. So, but it was annoying to watch. Like you know, players. I think. Yeah, players slip and slide out there. Like it was just, it was just bad to watch. A bad product from the NFL, honestly. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. But speaking of good product of the NFL, the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen made some headlines over the weekend. He he says that us in the media needs to stop blowing this Stephon Diggs things out of proportion. He says that he was there the whole time. The coach told him to miss one day. That you know that's how Stephon Diggs is. We you know like Luke mentioned that they had problems. He says they didn't have problems at the end of the year. That's Stephon Diggs in a nutshell. He yells at you when he's doing good. He yells, he yells at everybody for some reason, and he yelled at him, and he says he loves being held accountable. He says, Stephon Diggs held me accountable. I was playing like shit. That's good on my teammate and my brother to, to tell me I'm doing bad. I, I have to be – you know, I have to have that as well. I can't just have superstar treatment. But shame on you, Josh Allen, too, because we're not blowing that portion. Your fucking coach told us that it's a, it's, a, it's a problem. So your coach put that in the media's fucking eyes and attention. So don't tell us it's our fault that we're talking so much into it. Your coach literally said it was an issue. So shame on you for saying that's our fault too. Well, and, and yeah. 
On top of that, I mean, if he's yelling at you for doing good, at some point, he's no longer yelling at you for doing good. He's, he's yelling at you because he's unhappy about something. You know what I'm saying? So don't don't sit here and say, oh, that's, that's who he is. He yells you when you do good, and he yells you when he fucks up. Like, when is there harmony? You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I don't think this is the media blowing out of proportion. I mean, they came out and, and said everything was going on. They were narrating the whole goddamn story. You know, we saw the issues last season and the targets and everything else. Like, if... If it's a matter of he yells you when you're doing good and yells you when you're doing bad, you know, that's something that you keep in house. Once it reaches the media kind of thing is where it's kind of gotten beyond where they say you're blowing it out of proportion or beyond that. When it gets out to this level of mediocrity and scrutiny and everything else, we're beyond that level of, you know, oh, he was just upset about one little thing. No. No, the dude is genuinely unhappy in Buffalo, and I, this this is a PR stunt to save face. And all the, the problem is all it's doing is putting a Band-Aid over the situation and trying to mask it that it's something that it's not. And then when the season comes through, it's just going to fucking explode. It's Excuse me, it's going to implode, and we're going to see the Titan sub 2.0 in Buffalo. Oh, too soon? Yeah, when you're... When your coach when your coach comes on press conference and says it's worrisome that Diggs isn't there yet, that's not the media blowing anything out of proportion. That is saying that there is some locker room trouble between them. And for him to clear out his locker, I get that you're mad losing in the playoffs, but to clear out your locker and leave and then not talk, that's an issue. Yeah, why didn't you have him in the pressers? Why didn't you why didn't if everybody was so fucking hunky dory, family loving Fucking your cousin, why didn't why didn't they have the pressers to show all that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah if you didn't want the if Schumacher didn't want the media to talk about it, he shouldn't have said that he's very concerned to the media in the first place. That's what and I'm and saying. If he did, yeah. And if he said it, at least say it in a jokingly manner, like sarcastic way or something like that. So we can understand what you're what you're trying to say. Because he literally did not sound like he was sarcastic in any way whatsoever. No, this is how I saw the shit right here. Uh he ain't here yet. Uh, it's kind of troublesome. <laughs> Coach, that's funny. No, I'm not joking. He ain't here. We're worried. We're fucking worried. And now they're trying yeah. to backtrack. They're trying to PR. So I just thought it was lazy, lazy uh, podcasting he did on Busting with the Boys, whatever show it was. Uh, just thought it was lazy. That's all. I think it yep. was just deflecting a little bit, trying to blame the media for the problems when in reality it was your coach that literally put it out there on the table for all us to talk about. So shame on you, Josh Allen. But it's a very shout weak out. attempt at trying to save face. Yeah. I agree. Huge shout out to our boy Ricky Fowler. Got his first dub on the PGA Tour in four fucking years. Man, he was there a couple weeks ago at the US Open. He choked that away. But man, good to see you back, Ricky, in the winner's circle. Maybe that will get Luke back on the PGA Tour grind. What you thinking, Luke? No, no, no. I'm still still in the PGA boycott over here, so I'm not not mm. watching any any golf games. So. I really thought I was going to... Yeah, not happening. I really thought I was going to have to go out there and show him how to win one. I mean, it's been so goddamn long. I thought I was going to have to give him a, you know, a tip or two like I used to, you know, back in the day. But he figured it no. out, thankfully. I didn't have to make the trip. Butch Harmon, his swing coach and his, his coach in general, just was big for him, and I, I love to hear it. And, boys, let's end on a positive note. Joey the Jaws Chestnut, the greatest athlete of all time, 16 championships out of the 17 years he's been doing these hot dogs. He lost a one-year in 2015. got upset. Hey, it happens. Congrats to the guy that beat him. But, dude, this guy's better than Michael Come Jordan. Back stronger. This guy's better than LeBron James, better than Tom Brady, better than Yogi Berra, anyone that's got the most championships in their sport. Bill Russell, this man's the GOAT, Chris. 
No, it's been no, no. We heard, no, no. We heard 16. the motherfucker say he ain't an athlete. All right. We no. heard him say he ain't an athlete. So don't put Bullshit. him up there with real athletes. That ain't how this works, goddammit. He's humble, Chris. 55 records, too, from the man. Mm. What a fucking yeah, legend. Man's, man's unbelievable. I just want to see what his bathroom looks like. But, I mean, to win 16 champions in anything is insane. I luck, uh, Hopefully he beats his 77, 76 hot dogs. I couldn't even imagine eating 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. I couldn't I imagine, imagine doing that in a fucking in a year. year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I want to I want to go back and hide. What was that fucker's name that said he wasn't a uh, an athlete? Oh yeah, I was gonna Robin? say, fuck you, Robin Lundberg, you motherfucker, dude. Don't sit here and tell yeah. me it's not. You go eat. You go eat sixty two hot dogs in ten minutes. Tell me all the calories you're burning and all that shit. That's a fucking and, and tell right me, there. Tell me, Joey Chestnut ain't fucking breathing harder than any basketball player on the court, any football player throwing down sixty seventy hot dogs. Tell me he ain't fucking breathing harder. His body ain't working harder than all those athletes out there. Because I promise you his heart is pumping trying to save his life and keep him out of cardiac arrest, okay? But yeah. tell me and- tell me another athlete that would come out after the game or whatever you want to say gets canceled. And he's like, you know what, motherfuckers? We're coming out here and doing this. Yeah, I'm getting Mother this Nature. Right. Yeah, he told Mother Nature to go fuck off is what he told. He said, ESPN, we're yeah. doing this. Yeah. And what's he doing to athlete? celebrate? What's he doing to celebrate a fucking wing contest? Come yeah, on. Two weeks. Come on, dude. Come on. Ain't no football player putting in the work that he puts in on those glizzies and he's ready to go in two weeks, dude. That motherfuckers need a bye week. They need a bye month. Luke, not even just hot dogs. This man drank, yeah. he drank, uh, was it 12 pints, I said, before the show in 72 seconds. That's 16 nope. 12 ounces. So, like, nope, my guts are on the table, dude. Yeah. What a legend. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he has to be an athlete. He has to do training to get get like that. It's not like he just woke up one day and eat a shitload of fucking food at one time. It takes training. It yeah. takes work. Like it takes preparation. It's kind of like going into a fight almost. These guys like, or it's like, hey, you're what a week out. You got to fucking start depleting or stretching your stomach out or whatever they had to yeah. do. They have to train for this. It's it's not like they just wake up and good at fucking eating a shitload of food. It's competitive. His last few days, I believe he doesn't eat anything at all. Neither he keeps his stomach ready yeah. to go. No, you fucking nailed it. You fucking nailed it. Got to get the training, just like a fight. Got to do the training. Got to go through the motions. Get the get the routine down. Got to throw maybe you know a chair or two at the at the at the bus. You know, and scare some people on the bus, and and you know get arrested, turn yourself in later. But you know, yeah, yeah, draw up the you know the publicity. But no, it's all one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Also, puts a protester last year in a chokehold. Said he would have got five more down if that didn't happen. I, it did waste some of his time. So the man's a hero, and let's appreciate Joey Chestnut while we got him. Like he said, he's getting older. He's slowing down a little bit. He teases the the, the competition, lets him play a little in there for two minutes. They're like, "Oh, this guy's with Joey." And then after the two minute mark, Joey's fucking taking off. So and then Joey hits on their fucking you. chest. Joey, we appreciate you in the sack house, dude. So you're an American legend. We love you. You're up there. You're up there with Chris Kyle, my friend. I honestly say it. you're fucking, on the Chris Kyle. Uh, that's okay. No, that's he is. Maybe, He's maybe Chris. not quite Chris Kyle. Chris, but, no. please tell yeah, me that. We love you, but we do love you. Different levels. Yeah, different levels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Different levels. Oh, He's, He's with them. Nah, He's with them. Now, I'm sorry. He's with them, man. That's. That's my American here right there. You know, he's over here tackling protesters, eating nothing but American hot dogs. Dude, the man, the man's a hero. He really is. He gives us people in the actual 
you know, outside over I, here, just I'm no not, a chance. I'm not disagreeing so. with you. I would just, I would maybe choose your categories a little nah, more nah. wisely on who nah. to put him with. No, he's right there. I'm not saying he is Chris Cobb. He's on that. He's getting on that level. Yeah. He's he's a, he's a legend. So uh, he's, nah, he's the he, best. He, he gives me the. It's the most entertaining ten minutes of my Fourth of July every year. So it's awesome to watch. Better than I, the fucking I, yeah, six little, minutes of fireworks I saw when they started that shit 45 yeah. minutes early. But boys, glad to have you back. Glad to see all your your limbs and all that are here after the fireworks. Glad to see you guys aren't throwing up on the show. I know me and Kristen do much drinking over the weekend, but I know you and Doc did. So good thing we're all here. We're all healthy, ready to go. Yep. I know. Got all my yeah, business, so, baby. Let's go. Exactly. Hey, next episode, though, it's going to be a little bit. It's like I said, it's still vacation time. Someone's taking a little vacation time on the office. So we will be covering the AFC South and just cover anything that we missed from here to Monday. So just get ready. Take some notes over the weekend. That is Luke. Rule that is Chris Gemeinhart. That is Nick the Doc Skirkwins. I'm also Mark Davis. This is All at the Balls Podcast. And remember, Joey Chestnut, you're an American hero. We love you, brother. We are out. Thank you for checking out another episode of All About the Balls Podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners and supporters of the Sack House. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Sack House.